0: Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. You're listening to Be Minimalist with Deanna Yates, episode number 140. On today's episode, I'm chatting with my friend Laura about all things nutrition and gut health. I know, not always a topic we really want to discuss, but if as you get older, you find that your digestion isn't just the same as it was when you were 20, and I mean, come on, whose digestion is the same as when they were 20 and we could eat anything we wanted, then stay tuned because Laura has some really great tips on why that might be happening and what we can do to make ourselves feel better right now. Hey there, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. I am really excited because today... I have a guest interview for you. I know it's been a little while since I've had these on the show and I'm really excited to welcome guests back. I do have several lined up for the coming months and I'm just really thrilled for all this exciting new information I'll be able to share with you and just different perspectives. I love getting different perspectives. But if this is your first time here, well, welcome to the show. I am excited to have you. I hope you walk away with something that you can really implement in your daily life right away so that you can start making progress toward that life you really want to be living. And if you're coming back here, if this is if you're returning to the show, well, thank you for coming back. I appreciate having you here and I do my best to uh, just keep providing you inf- interesting information so you want to come back for more. But if I could ask a quick favor from you, I would love if you would leave a rating or a review for this show. If you like what you hear, please, please, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating. Uh, you can do the star review or you can actually leave a review as well. I read all of those and I take into consideration what you are saying. So if you have a suggestion for who you want to hear on the show, make sure you put it there. If you have uh, other topics you want me to talk about, put it there. You can also email me if you don't feel comfortable putting it in a review. My email address is Deanna at wannabeclutterfree.com, and I would love to hear from you. So who are we talking to today? Well, we are talking to my good friend, Laura Marzin. She is a registered dietitian, as well as a nutrition coach, recipe developer, health enthusiast, and creator of Fresh Food Bites. Laura is on a mission to help women feel their best and overhaul their lives through their nutrition and the food that they eat. But what I love about Laura is that she walks the walk. She is a wife and a mom of two busy kids, so she knows how challenging it can be to not only get food on the table when everyone is super hungry, but also how difficult it can be to get the kids to eat that well-balanced, healthy food that she makes. Over the course of the past several years, Laura had made big shifts in her eating mindset and lifestyle to improve her overall gut health and overcome some pretty annoying digestive symptoms. And so that is why she is so passionate about helping others do the same. We are in for a treat. Uh, Laura and I know each other. We go way back together. And so I am really excited to bring this conversation to you. If you have ever struggled with feeling tired, big sugar spikes, or feeling lethargic after you eat certain foods, well, listen up because Laura has some interesting information today. And I almost forgot to mention that you can pick up the show notes for today on my website at wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash 140. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 140. And there you will find links to anything we discussed today and ways to get in touch with Laura if you would like to learn more. And with that, let's get on to our conversation. All right. Well, hi, Laura. Welcome to Wannabe Minimalist. How are you today?
1: I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me,
0: Deanna. Oh, it is my pleasure. I am super thrilled to have you back. For those of you who are listeners of the show, uh, regular listeners, you might recognize Laura. She was with us back on episode 79 and Laura and I are friends in real life. And so it's always fun to have somebody that I was friends with prior to the podcast on the show and get to share her knowledge and expertise. So Laura, thrilled to have you back. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. We're going to talk a little bit of a different topic. Last time we talked about, well, it was kind of in the throes of COVID and I felt like I was cooking so much that so you were helping us with kind of meal planning and cooking and being in the kitchen as often as I was, maybe a little bit more than I normally felt I was. So this week we're going to be talking a little bit more about being in, intentional with our nutrition. And so for my listeners that didn't listen to that episode or don't know about you, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and how you help busy families?
1: Right. Yeah. So my name is Laura Marzen. I'm a registered dietitian, and I primarily work with women to optimize digestion and gut health so that they can be free of some of those frustrating, annoying symptoms that either pop up from time to time or that tend to plague people for a while and that can really interfere with their life. So I really help people focused on making intentional shifts to their nutrition, their lifestyle without a lot of restrictions, because I know as busy as a busy mom myself, it's hard enough just to get meals on the table for my own family. But then if I had to throw in a bunch of restriction to what I was eating, that would be really difficult. So we really try to make it so that you are you can eat as wide of a variety of diet as possible, which is in the end, the better way to go anyway.
0: I love it. It fits right with the wannabe minimalist uh, theme of no extreme over here, right? I mean, we want to live that life that really fulfills us and that we kind of in my sphere, we're working on your home, right? So we're keeping your home, being intentional about what you bring into your home. And you were talking about being intentional about what you put into your body. So let's talk a little bit about, about why that is so important. I guess let's start with the why and then we can kind of dig
1: into the how. So let's get, let's get going there. Why is it so important? Sure. So, so important to pay attention to what you're putting in your body just because of how it affects you on a day-to-day basis. I know a lot of your listeners are busy moms. I'm a busy mom and we need lots and lots of energy to keep up with our kids, right? So if you are not putting things into your body that are going to be supportive of that, then you're going to feel sluggish, you're going to feel tired. Some of those symptoms that, you know, are frustrating can pop up more easily. And it's just not going to allow you to live the life that you want to live. So if we can really be intentional about what we're eating, and that doesn't mean that you have to be super restrictive or super strict all the time. I want that to be very clear. But as long as you're intentional about not only what you're putting in your body, but also your lifestyle habits, it can really go a long way to give you that vibrancy, that energy that you really want to be able to get to all of your kids' activities and be able to enjoy them and travel and go hiking, do whatever it is that you feel called to do in your life.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, and I feel like we are entering a super busy season of life where we are now so much more on the go. Our daughter just started softball. We have practices and games and we have music still and we have she's in after school programs. And we've got so much on our plate right now that I think this is kind of one of those moments where we have to take a step back and be really intentional and kind of set ourselves up for success. So I want to talk about kind of that that foundations of health, because I can see this being one of those things where it's like, yeah, I totally get it. I get that food is fuel for my body, but gosh darn it, I just want to eat whatever I want to eat, right? And obviously we can't do that because we can't just like in our house, we can't just go out and buy everything we want to buy. It's going to add clutter to our house. And just like the bad food, I don't know. I don't know that we should qualify any food as bad food. You can kind of, you're the nutritionist, you tell me, but just like, I don't like to say there's bad feelings. There's it's all there. And as I'm a big fan of moderation, but I know that I can't eat pizza all the time, or at least I know my child can't eat pizza all the time. I don't want to eat pizza all the time. So let's talk about how can we look at this one might be a little out there, but food as fuel, but also still enjoying it, right? I, food is such a thing to be enjoyed to me. Let's kind of talk about that a little bit.
1: I agree 100%. I don't love the statement, everything in moderation, because I feel like that kind of, it, it's a little bit of a gray area, right? So if you're saying everything in moderation, well, what does moderation even mean? That's why I really prefer to help people to just be more intentional about it. And of course, that does not mean that we can't bring in some fun things, but if we do it intentionally, then we're not going to just overindulge all the time. I think if we go down the the avenue of everything in moderation, there's really not very many checkpoints there. And I think it's good to have some checkpoints, which is one thing that I really try to help people to figure out and figure out what that is for them. But the bottom line is when you are supporting the foundations that really support your overall health, you are going to feel better. You're going to have more energy. And it's just going to motivate you to continue following those practices and continuing with those habits. So I like to say that when if you want optimal health, there are about four pillars that really speak to that. So supporting metabolism, digestion and gut health, nervous system, and then our drainage and detoxification pathways. So I know all of that might sound a little bit overwhelming, like what even is all that stuff? But the great thing about it is that when we put certain foundations into place, all of those foundations are going to support all of those pillars.
0: Okay, so that was a lot. Can you break those down just a little bit more. So you were talking about these four pillars. And for those of us that are not in the nutrition space that maybe don't quite understand what those all mean, can you break those down just a little bit more for us?
1: Yes, I I know they are a little bit high level, so I'll try to make it easy to understand. So metabolism, we all have heard that word before, but typically when we think of metabolism, you probably just think that it's the thing that affects the number on the scale. But it does play a big part in that, but it also plays a role in a lot of other things. So specifically, it impacts digestion. So if your metabolism is sluggish, then your digestion is going to slow down. That can lead to excess bloating and gas, as well as constipation, which are definitely symptoms that nobody wants to have on a daily basis. So then moving on to digestion and gut health. So one of the main responsibilities for digestion is simply breaking down the food that you're eating and then absorbing the nutrients from the foods that you're eating. So when you are absorbing those nutrients, then they go to all the different systems in your body and get used. And if you aren't able to digest, break down, and absorb all of those healthy nutrients from the foods you're eating, then your body functions aren't going to do the things that they're supposed to do as well as they should. So you can be the healthiest eater that you know, but if your digestion isn't working well, you're just not going to get the benefits from all of that healthy food. So that's one of the main reasons why digestion and gut health is so important. There's lots of other things, but I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later, nervous system. So this is kind of a fancy term for the system of the body that's responsible for how we respond to stress. So supporting this system of the body is one of the best things that we can do for our overall stress. Sorry, for our overall health, simply because we know that stress plays such a big role in a lot of different health conditions. So you may have heard of the fight or flight mode or rest and digest mode. These are both part of the nervous system. So the fight or flight mode is our sympathetic nervous system and the rest and digest mode is our parasympathetic nervous system. Many of us are constantly living in that fight or flight mode or in that sympathetic nervous system, which means that we're just kind of always in a little bit of an overly stressed out state. And if we can support our nervous system, which doesn't have to just come from like chilling out more or just, hey, just lower your stress, as in as if those things are very easy to do, we can support our nervous system through nutrition, through our lifestyle habits. And so there's definitely hope there. I don't want you to feel like, oh, well, I just have all this stress. There's nothing I can do. There's a lot that you can do to help so that the stress that you do have doesn't impact you as much. And then finally, one of my favorite topics is detox and drainage. <laughs> and I'm sure all of you have heard about detoxing and cleanses and whatnot. It's a really big topic, but I want to try to break it down for you so that you understand what's really happening because I think this term gets thrown around a lot and it, It doesn't get used in the way that it is, that what really happens in the body. So when we think of detoxing, our body is trying to get rid of the toxins that we are all exposed to on a regular basis. We can't just say, oh, well, I just won't expose myself to any toxins. I mean, it's nearly impossible. We can do our part to lower the amount of toxins that come in, but there's always going to be toxins that our body has to deal with. So that happens in the liver. And I like to think of it as an Amazon warehouse. So if you think of an Amazon warehouse, there's lots and lots of different products in the warehouse that need to get to their final destination, right? So if we think of all those products, that would be similar to all of the toxins that are in our body. So those toxins are in our liver waiting to get processed and then to their final destination, which is getting out of our body. So in the Amazon warehouse, the products get packaged up into boxes and then they go out on the trucks and get shipped to their final destination, right? So in our liver, our liver does that processing. So it packages up all the toxins that are in our body. And then it has to put those packages into onto trucks so that they get out of our body. And that happens through our urine and through our bowel movements. So think of bowel movements and going to the bathroom as getting those toxins out of our body. Those are the pathways. So if our liver is sluggish, or if it doesn't have the nutrients that it needs to process all of those toxins really well, it's going to get a little sluggish. The other really important thing here is that if you are not having daily bowel movements, you are not regularly getting those toxins out. And that can play a big role in just overall feelings of sluggishness. And one really important impact of this would be on our hormones. Because after our body has used the hormones that, you know, that are produced in our body, then they get packaged and they need to be eliminated as well. Hmm. That happens through our bowel movements. And if that doesn't happen regularly, those hormones can kind of get recirculated in our body. But at that point, they really are in a kind of in a state where they are healthy for us. Hmm. Well, that
0: actually really helped break those down. So that makes a lot more sense. So I think, yeah, as we think about these pillars now, I think it makes more sense for us to see how they might fit in with or how they are fitting in with what we're eating and what we're putting into our body and why it is so important to be intentional. Do you wish you could find an educational podcast that your kids actually want to listen to and you enjoy too? Well, you're in luck. Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as math, is a weekly show full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. We listened to a few episodes, and not only did our daughter want to listen to more next time we're in the car, I found myself chuckling too. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. You're transported to moments in ancient history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. Plus, they do a great job of teaching math theory without it being boring, complicated, or overly childish. And that can't be easy. But it's not really a surprise considering Mysteries About True Histories is from the creators of the hit podcast Who Smarted, Brain Games on Nat Geo and Disney+, and Brainchild on Netflix. Episodes drop every Thursday and since they are about 15 minutes, they are the perfect length for kids ages 6 and up. Turn your next car ride, break time, or bedtime into math time with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. You know how life doesn't stick to a schedule? Well, why should your paycheck? That's where earn in comes in. It's an app that lets you access the money you've earned right when you need it, not just on payday. Imagine this, your dog suddenly needs a vet, or your kid has a little accident and needs a dentist, ASAP. We've been there, and waiting for your payday in those situations just doesn't make sense, and it adds unnecessary stress. With EarnIn, you can pull up to $100 per day, or up to $750 each pay period, directly from your earnings, without the crazy fees or interest rates. It's super simple. Download the EarnIn app, verify your paycheck, and get access to your earnings as you earn them. You decide what to tip, and whatever you use gets settled on your next payday. More than three and a half million users are finding relief and a sense of security with EarnIn, calling it a lifeline for financial stability. That peace of mind—it's priceless, and it could be yours. Ready to give it a try? Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the EarnIn app, type in clutter under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help out the show. That's clutter under podcast. EarnIn is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC.
1: Exactly. And the great thing about it is that, yes, it might feel like it's overwhelming, but all of the baseline habits and the foundational habits that you can put into place will support all of these all of these different pillars.
0: So talk to me about how people can support these four pillars in their daily
1: life. Sure. So some of the things that I really like to have people work on in order to support those pillars are nutrition, obviously, because I'm a dietitian. So that's always the lens that I'm looking through, but also stress management, sleep and rest, because we all need sleep and rest. And I know that's not always easy when you're in that busy season of life, but the more you can carve out time for yourself and for your family to have just those moments of downtime of rest, the better off you're going to be. Movement and exercise. I like to say movement because not everyone loves the exercise word, right? But we need to be intentional about building in movement throughout the day. And that does not have to mean that you have to go to a fancy gym. You don't have to have fancy equipment to get it done. But it just, you need to be intentional about moving throughout the day. And then The last thing that I'll say as far as supporting all of those pillars is sometimes we need to take a deeper look into some of those areas to see if there are some deeper issues going on. So maybe you've got some digestion symptoms that are interfering with your day-to-day life. And if we look further, we can see that there are some imbalances in your gut health. You might have some issues with your thyroid, or maybe you've got some nutrition deficiencies that are kind of wreaking havoc underneath the surface. When we can look deeper and find those things, that's where we can really make a difference in how you're feeling on a day-to-day basis. So you get the foundations in place. If those aren't really moving the needle for you, we take a deeper look. And see what's really driving some of your symptoms and some of the things that are holding you back from living the way that you really want.
0: Hmm, so fascinating. Okay, there was so much to unpack there. That was a lot. So I'm gonna circle back to a couple of things. I wanna circle back to gut health. I wanna circle back to thyroid. But before we get there, I wanna talk about habits because I talk about habits a lot. I think habits are super important. I think it just makes it so much easier to live intentionally when you set yourself up uh, from the get-go. And so I know habits are really kind of buzzy right now, right? Like everybody's talking about habits and routines and all that kind of stuff. So you had kind of mentioned habits. What are some baseline habits that somebody can do to get started? Because I know a lot of people are thinking like, okay, maybe I do want to be more intentional. Maybe I, 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 these pillars sound great. Maybe may a little overwhelming, but how do I get started? Like
1: where, where's step one? Right. So Step one is kind of getting your nutrition and your lifestyle habits kind of dialed in. But there aren't like big sweeping changes that need to happen necessarily. Sometimes it's a matter of just putting little habits in throughout the day that will really help to support your overall health. So I'll talk about a couple of things. So one of the biggest things that I myself tend to work on with clients is blood sugar balance. And I know this is a huge area in the, in the world of functional nutrition. It's one of the best things that a person can do to support their health. And I know when you hear balanced blood sugars, automatically your mind probably goes to, well, I don't need to worry about that. I don't have diabetes. And yes, that, that may be true. But when, you, when your blood sugar isn't balanced, it can create lots of inflammation in your body. And when your blood sugar isn't balanced, that's when we tend to see those energy crashes. So if you are having that mid-afternoon energy crash, I would, number one, look at your blood sugar balance and see how often are you eating? How much are you eating? Are you putting together balanced meals? So that's one habit that I will talk about first is just building really balanced meals. So that's going to include a good mix of protein, fiber, and healthy fats. If you can include like all those components into your meals and snacks, that's going to go a long way to help your blood sugar stay balanced throughout the day.
0: Do you have an example that somebody might be able to follow? Like what's one of your favorite balanced meals, maybe for yourself, for your family? Because I know we have a lot of families that listen to this podcast.
1: One thing I really like to recommend that people do is when they're looking at their plate is to just kind of mentally divide it into thirds. So if you think about just a regular round plate, you would want one-third of that plate to get filled up with non-starchy vegetables. So things like broccoli, asparagus, carrots, beets, onions, anything like that. One-third of your plate would go to protein. So that would be your chicken, your fish, your beef. Tofu can fit in there, as well as like Greek yogurt is really high in protein as well. Cheeses, those kinds of things then the final third of the plate would go toward anything involving fruit or starchy vegetables, starchy vegetables like potatoes and sweet potatoes, peas, corn, things like that, or things like pastas and rice and and beans and things like that. So that's how I kind of like to recommend that people divide their plate. Now, that's not always going to be perfect, right? Because we do a lot of mixed meals like casseroles and soups and things like that. So don't fixate on this too much, but some examples here, like for dinner, you might just do salmon with some broccoli and roasted potatoes or fruit on the side. Fajitas is a really good one that is easy to get all of those components, and you've got your tortillas, which is the the kind of starchy thing, and then you can put chicken. Or shrimp or beef or whatever. And then the peppers and the onions, that's like your non starchy part. And then you can put some toppings on, like your avocado and your cheese and things like that. And I didn't mention before, but you do wanna always include a little bit of fat with each meal, whether it's butter spread on toast, is a very simplistic one, or some avocado, or maybe it's just that whatever meat or other component of the meal you're having is already higher in fat, like beef or salmon or whatnot. Mm -hmm.
0: So would you, this might be, I don't know, maybe this is a little out there, but like I cook a lot in olive oil. Like, is that good? Like, do you recommend olive oil over butter or is there there a new kind of oil? Like I know avocado oil is really popular right now. Does that kind of stuff matter as much? Like if you're going into the oils versus the butter?
1: Yeah. So that is an interesting topic and it can be a little bit controversial. i I go more toward on the natural fats. So Mm -hmm. anything that is in nature is a good type of fat. So that could be butter. That could be olive oil. Avocado oil is a great one. Um, But I really try to have people steer clear of highly processed oils. So some of those would be like your soybean oils or your kind of generic vegetable oil type of things. I really try to have people stay away from those if possible.
0: And like margarine is a no.
1: Margarine is a hard pass. Okay.
0: <laughs> just making sure we get that out there. I figured it yes. was, but I just wanted yeah. to make sure I put it out yep. there. You don't see that a lot out here in California, but I've lived in the Midwest and I know it's a big thing there. So yes, uh, just like I grew cover up all the bases. On Okay, let's make sure we talk about breakfast, too, because we just I think that was more like dinner or lunch. Do you have any recommendations for breakfast?
1: Yeah. So eating a balanced breakfast within an hour of waking, that's a huge one to just get started on. And I know that especially if you've got kids and you're trying to get them out the door, it can be a little bit challenging. So take it slow. It doesn't have to be perfect right away. But this is one thing to work toward is just eating a really good balanced meal within an hour of waking. All right. I'm
0: going to admit that I am not the
1: best at breakfast.
0: So help me out here. What is a quick balanced breakfast that you recommend? Because we're all running out the door as fast as we possibly can sometimes in the morning. Some are worse than others. But so what's a good
1: breakfast? I totally, totally feel that. And I don't think that we need to be quite as conscientious at breakfast of getting all those components in. But what I do want to really recommend is that you just don't start your day with a carbohydrate only meal. It's just, it will send your blood sugar on a roller coaster ride. And then that is when we see those energy crashes later in the day, Breakfast is, it is the most important meal for a reason because it really sets up the rest of our day. So a couple of things that I really like, eggs are great, saute them with some veggies if you have a little bit extra time. But if you don't, don't feel like it has to be perfect. Eggs with a cup of yogurt and fruit on the side is good because that yogurt will bring in a little bit more protein as well to combine with the eggs. Another thing is, oatmeal or overnight oats. Those are great. Add a little bit of Greek yogurt to that just to, Mm. again, bring in more protein. You can add some protein powder or collagen powder to boost the protein of, of oatmeal. Oatmeal also is high in fiber, which is great because fiber is another thing that will help to keep your blood sugars a little bit more balanced. You could also stir in a little bit of nut butter to add not only flavor, but a little bit of healthy fat. And a little bit of protein. So the bottom line is to just make it a little bit more balanced. Like if you're having toast, for example, don't just have toast with jam on top. Put toast with avocado on top. That would help to bring in a little bit more staying powder. If you added an egg to that, that would even be better because then you would have the grain with the fat of the avocado and the protein of the egg. Um, I love making skillet hash meals for breakfast. And these are things that you can make ahead. Mm. So, you know, I will saute some sweet potato or regular potato with just a little bit of onion, some turkey sausage, and then you could toss in an egg if you want. So I love doing that kind of stuff because that's that, those are things that you can prep ahead on the weekend to make your life easier in the mornings. If you wake up and you're like, oh, I need to make this whole big meal for breakfast, yeah, then it's overwhelming. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. But if yeah. you can do a little bit of thinking ahead, then it will really save you in the morning. And you'll feel so much better if you have a more balanced meal.
0: Okay, what do your kids like to eat for breakfast? Because my daughter's ain't, my daughter's not doing that hash.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, my son will. My son okay. actually has gotten into making his own breakfast burritos, which Ooh. I'm super pumped about. So, And he does almost all the work, which is amazing. Now, my daughter, on the other hand, she would live on waffles loaded yeah. with syrup if I allowed her to. So here's what I will add for her because she doesn't, appreciate eggs quite as much as my son does. <laughs> so she likes cottage cheese though. Ah, cottage okay. cheese is super high in protein. So if I am putting together a meal for her, it's going to be she likes toast, she likes waffles, pancakes, those type of things. So she has some of that. She has a side of that cottage cheese and then I'll throw in some like an orange or a clementine or something just to bring in some fiber and and that sort of thing.
0: Okay. Awesome. All right. So, Got to again, revamp our that, breakfast a little bit over here.
1: I'm sure that there's room for improvement there, even for myself. But it's all about like taking those baby steps. And yeah. I know that she's going to eat it well. And, and so that's, that's what I do. Awesome. OK, get back to those habits, because I think I
0: hijacked this conversation with trying to get concrete meal ideas for what to make at our house.
1: Great. Making sure that you're eating enough. So, a lot of women fall into this trap of like, oh, I wanna, I wanna maintain my weight or I wanna lose the, you know, those last 10 to 15 pounds or whatever it is for you. And you automatically go into this mindset of, oh, I just need to eat less and exercise more. The problem becomes when you just start eating less and less and less, your body's going to adapt to that. And then it's just going to slow things down because your body just is constantly trying to protect itself and to survive. So if you're not eating enough, then it's just going to, again, it's really going to lower your energy all throughout the day. So making sure that you're eating enough, and that's a, a very individual thing, and it can take a little bit of time to figure out. But Focus on eating those balanced meals throughout the day. And that's a really good place to start. Uh, Consuming more minerals. So minerals is a big deal. They play an important role in so many different functions in the body, and they are often overlooked. Vitamins tend to get all, all of the glory, but really it's the minerals that are supporting all of those functions in the body that are so important. So minerals are things like potassium, magnesium, sodium. Those are three of the big ones. And it's important to get enough of those throughout the day. So using good quality sea salt, potassium, eating a lot of potassium rich foods. So potatoes, starchy vegetables, fruits, aloe juice, coconut water, those are all really high in potassium. So really focusing on that. And then some people need to eat a little bit more often. It kind of depends on your thyroid health. But that's just something that is very individualized. I've got a couple more. Supporting a good circadian rhythm. So this is that internal clock that helps to regulate your hormones that are responsible for your sleep and wake cycles, right? So a couple of really easy things that a person can do is to get outside and get a little bit of natural light, a little bit of natural sunlight first thing in the morning. So maybe that's just five to 10 minutes. It can be a walk. It can just be sitting out on your patio drinking a cup of tea or some lemon water in the morning. But getting that right away in the morning is really beneficial, but then also throughout the day. And that also means that you're not wearing sunglasses when you get that. You don't have to be staring right at the sun. We don't want to do that. But indirect light is fine. But just getting outside in that natural sunlight is important throughout the day. And then shutting down your screens two hours before bed. I know that can be difficult for some people to do. If you can't do that, just wear some blue blocking glasses if, you're, if you have to be on a screen close to bedtime. And then avoiding caffeine after about noon would also help to support your circadian rhythm, which is one of those baseline things that we just really need to do. Regular movement is another thing. I kind of mentioned it before, but just getting regular movement throughout the day. So a couple of things that you could try is to just take a five to 10 minute walk after each of your main meals. This is a very easy habit that you can work in. You don't have to change into exercise clothes. You can just get outside, make sure you have some comfy shoes on. And that not only will help to just build in more movement throughout the day, It will also check off that box of getting a little bit more sunlight and it helps to manage your blood sugar balance as well. Okay. So
0: let's pause for a second. I want to recap because that was a lot, but it was super helpful. So I want to make sure everybody understood what you were saying. So you were saying the top four habits that we should be doing each day are one, eat balanced meals. Two, get enough minerals in our diet and not just focus on vitamins because vitamins have had their time in the spotlight. We all hear about vitamins all the time, but minerals are also important. Three, get outside. It's as, as much as we can in the morning, it's very important. But if we can also get out throughout the day, that is also important. And that's going to help us set our circadian rhythm or our internal clocks. And then four, move more throughout the day. Did I get those right?
1: perfect. I mean, and of course, just work toward those things. Build those habits little by little. Yeah. Okay.
0: So I have some questions, kind of follow up. I want to go all the way back to the blood sugar balance. Like, how do we know that's off, right? You said the first thing people think of is, well, I don't have diabetes. The first thing I thought of was like, should I like prick my finger to take a test and find out what my blood sugar is? Like, I was just like, how do I even know where to start with blood sugar levels. Like is it just how I feel after I eat? Is it
1: what what am I looking for there? Sure. It can be a couple of different things. You can certainly prick your finger if you want to check. No thing. But <laughs> I know. Most people don't want to do that, which is fine. There are some products on the market called continuous glucose monitors. They're a little bit on the pricey side right now. Mm-hmm. But I suspect that they'll come down in cost as time goes on because they are somewhat newer to the market. And those are, it's basically like a patch that you put on your arm and it will help to just monitor your blood sugar throughout the day. And so you can keep that on for a week or two and just see how things are trending. That's a little bit higher level. Before I go there, I would rather just see you start to get those balanced meals put together, meals and snacks, and then just take a look at your symptoms. If you're really having these big waves of tired, sluggish, like I feel like I need a nap throughout the day at different times, that can be a real sign that your blood sugar balance is off. If you have any underlying inflammation or any underlying symptoms that just aren't really going away with other strategies, it may be a blood sugar imbalance. Another thing to just think about is if you are trying to lose weight and you're really struggling with it, it can be a sign that your blood sugar is imbalanced. Hmm. Okay.
0: All right. So a few things to look out for there. Okay. Let's talk about the thyroid because I have seen ads all over. And so if I've seen them, I know my audience is seeing them. So I've been hearing so much about the thyroid and hormones. And honestly, it's like taking me back to high school science, right? So because it's been a while and I don't quite know all of that's going on, can you talk to us about what is the thyroid? Why is it important? And and how does it all fit into our nutrition?
1: Yes. So the thyroid is like, oh, it's one of those glands in our body that does so much and it impacts us so much. So it's not surprising that you're hearing and seeing more about it because we're learning so much more also. And we know that it's very important, but basically, so it's a gland. So it's part of our endocrine system. So all of the glands in our body, like our ovary these pancreas and the thyroid, those kinds of things. The thyroid is the main control center of our metabolism. So when it senses that we need to slow down a little bit because it's not being as supportive, it will literally just slow down our metabolism. So I kind of like to think of it as a thermostat. So if you think about in your home, a thermostat, if it's a little too warm, you're going to just crank that thermostat down a little bit so that it cools off or vice versa. You're going to ramp it up if you need more heat. So that is kind of what our thyroid does. And there are lots of side effects such as weight gain, slower digestion. It controls our metabolism, right? So as I was talking before about the metabolism and how important that is for just weight management, but as well as digestion, our thyroid kind of controls that. So, our thyroid needs certain nutrients to function properly just to make sure that the the hormones that our thyroid is producing can actually be used by our body. So, minerals play a big role in that. So, you can be doing all of the right things, but if you don't have enough minerals on board, then your body's probably not going to be able to use the hormones that your thyroid is pumping out. So, that's a big reason why. Minerals are so important. So there's lots of different symptoms of a sluggish thyroid. And most of these are geared toward more of a sluggish thyroid. But there are also symptoms that are related to a thyroid that is overactive because that can be a problem too. But for the most part, most women I see are more struggling with a sluggish thyroid. So some of those symptoms can be like constantly having cold hands and feet. Um, A low basal body temperature. Now, basal body temperature is like your body temperature when you're at rest. So think of like right away in the morning when you first wake up, that's when you've been most at rest for a long time. So this is also one way that you can kind of do a little checkup on your thyroid. You can just take your temperature first thing in the morning, like literally don't even get out of bed. Have a thermometer on your bedside table, stick it in your mouth right the moment that you wake up and see what it is. So if your temperatures are running less than 97.5 in the first part of your menstrual cycle or less than 98 degrees in the later part of your cycle, that's kind of a sign that that your thyroid needs a little love. Other symptoms, thinning hair, constipation, low libido, so there's lots of different ways that you can kind of look at your symptoms and, and think about whether your thyroid might need some love. And how would
0: we, so like, are there tests or anything that like we can do like that? Like if we're, so if we're thinking these symptoms sound like, okay, maybe, is there another step or something we need to do?
1: Yep. So you, what I recommend that people do is they first start out by checking their basal body temperature first thing in the morning. So, that can give you a really good indication. So, that's kind of step one. If your temperatures are running on the low side, like I said before, then you can do a hair mineral test, which is a really cool test that I use a lot in my practice. You're basically like snipping off very small portions of your hair, and then that hair gets tested for mineral levels. And the great thing about it is that that shows us what your mineral status has been over the past like three to four months. And it can give us a really good indication of how your nervous system is doing, how your metabolism is doing, how your thyroid is doing. So it's, it's a really comprehensive test in that way and can give us a lot more clues about what areas maybe we need to target as far as nutrition and lifestyle habits. If, you know, that is showing that your thyroid needs a little bit more love, you can go a step further and do blood work as well. And Those two tests blood work with the hair mineral test are a really good combination to look at because on blood work, you're going to see exactly what levels of thyroid hormone you are producing. Hmm. And the sad thing about it is that if you ask your doctor, hey, I think my thyroid might might be a little bit sluggish. Typically, they're just going to test maybe one or two markers of the thyroid. And this just doesn't give us a full picture of what's happening. So you really need to get a full thyroid panel, which includes more markers than just TSH level or TSH and T4, which is some of the common ones that you might get through your doctor.
0: But we can ask our doctors for the full panel. Can we ask them? You can ask
1: them. You can definitely ask them to order it. And I've done that myself. But. Typically insurance won't cover it. Okay. So, but there are also ways that you can just go into like a lab course site or Quest or whatnot and do your own blood work. Hmm. You would be paying for it yourself. But I always hesitate to recommend that because I think the important thing is to know what to do with the results afterwards. Yeah, for but sure. That's what that's why I recommend work with a functional dietitian who can help you interpret the test and help give you guidance on what to do next.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Interesting. So if someone is thinking like, okay, I've seen all this stuff, I'm I'm interested, what should they, what kind of the first step of, of this, right? So how do people usually start?
1: It kind of depends on where you're at in your journey. But a lot of times I try to encourage people to just get those foundations into place first. Now, if you're someone who already feels like, oh, I've got, I feel like I'm the healthiest eater I know, I already work out, I'm doing all of the things that I feel like are good for me, but I still don't feel great, then I would look into further testing. Okay,
0: let's let's go all the way back to kind of gut health, because I know you are very passionate about this topic. What kind of role, again, this is another big buzzword that has been out and about. People, Lots of people are hearing things about gut health and digestion,
1: and, and so can you break this down for us? So gut health and digestion really sets up your body for being able to use the food that you're taking in. So you can, again, as I said before, you can be the healthiest eater, but if your body isn't able to use those nutrients that you're taking in, then you're not going to feel the positive effects from them. So I hear this a lot from people that I'm working with that, oh, I, I, I eat really healthy, but I'm not really getting any better. Or I've maybe I've switched from eating more processed foods to a more whole food-based diet and my symptoms actually got worse. What's going on? Well, it all boils down to digestion and your gut health. When we eat, Our body has to break it down and it has to absorb the nutrients that are in those foods. And then our body can use it. It's not like we can say, oh, I'm eating a carrot. So now automatically my body's getting all of the healthy things from the carrot. It has to get broken down first. And then those nutrients have to get absorbed. So the vitamins, the minerals, all of the calories have to get absorbed in order to be in order to be used our bodies aren't always very good at doing that if our gut health isn't optimized. So that's one of the main reasons why it's so important to focus on gut health. And that is why everyone, no matter if you have digestive symptoms or not, this is why gut health is so important. Because of the way that it interacts with the other systems in our body, because of the way that it Is playing such an important role in breaking down our food and absorbing the nutrients. It's responsible for that, but it's also responsible for the production of vitamins, minerals, certain hormones, certain neurotransmitters, which serotonin is one of those. Our gut health houses a big portion of our immune system. So when a pathogen or a virus or a bacteria comes into our body, our immune system is typically working behind the scenes to just like clear that out so that we don't get sick. Well, if our gut health isn't optimized, our immune system isn't going to be able to work as well as it should. So if you are someone who like gets sick real frequently, it might be a sign that your gut health needs some work.
0: Yeah, What parents are not introduced to new pathogens all the time from school. So, exactly. Good to know. All right. And it keeps some of those
1: sicknesses you know, out. Totally. And it does all of those things, but it also helps with detoxification. And I know that is another like super <laughs> trendy buzzword yeah. that is so misinterpreted. Okay, But our body has mm-hmm. these natural processes that that do the detoxification for us. But if our pathways aren't open to then get those toxins cleared out of our bodies and eliminated, that's when we can really start to have problems and have kind of like a backup in the system. So our gut health is really crucial to making sure that the toxins that that our liver is detoxifying for us can get eliminated. And all of that to say that when our gut health is optimized, it's going to help us have more energy. It's going to help our hormone levels because it plays a really big role there. And it's just going to help you feel better after eating. So I know a lot of women struggle with excess bloating after eating. And so automatically you start to think of, oh, well, it must be this certain food that I'm eating or Mm. something that I'm drinking. Or you start to kind of nitpick everything that you're taking in And think that, oh, it must be the food. But in reality, it's the environment that that food is going into. And if you can optimize the environment that it's going into, you're going to be able to digest that food without any of those side effects that you don't want.
0: Okay, I'm getting it. So now it's more, I see what you're saying, right? It's not Full elimination. Cause I think you were saying that at the very beginning. You didn't like, you don't want to say that you can never eat these things again. You have to get rid of them forever. And this is why, like, once you get that environment under control and it's healthier, you can maybe have the ability to eat more of these foods that you really enjoy, but maybe aren't the happiest right now after you enjoy them. Does that make sense? That,
1: yeah, it does. Absolutely. It all, It's it all boils down to that because we can't we can't just take continue to take out more and more foods without addressing the underlying issue that's creating the symptoms in the first place. And that all boils down to optimizing your gut health and your digestion.
0: Well, that's good to know. I think a lot of people get really nervous about this kind of stuff because they think like, I'm never gonna be able to eat that thing again that I really love. And oh, so I don't even wanna I don't even want to know because I, I just don't want somebody to tell me right. that I can't eat that ever again.
1: For a lot of women who who have battled some of these symptoms for a long, long time, there can be a real challenge around like food fear because mm-hmm. you're so used to eating and not feeling well after that you just don't even know what it's like to eat and feel good.
3: Mm-hmm. And so
1: there can be a, a big fear factor around reintroducing foods. And to that person, I would say, just don't settle for less than your best health, because it is possible to overcome that. It's possible to get rid of what's causing those symptoms in the first place.
0: Well, that I think is a great Way uh, to kind of wrap this up because I think that is a good way to just say you deserve to live your best life and you deserve to be able to eat the foods that are going to support you and that you enjoy eating and you deserve to feel amazing. And so, gosh, if anybody listening to this doesn't feel great about eating, please reach out to Laura so she can help you really get to enjoy your food, your food again, and feel great. So, where can people find you? Because I know they're going to be interested.
1: My website is freshfoodbites.com and you'll find a few free re- resources there as well as a page if you're interested in my nutrition coaching services. I'm most active on Instagram and you can always DM me there if you have any questions. My handle there is fresh food bites, all one word. Perfect. And we will have links in the show
0: notes. So of course anybody can find you if they're listening to this on the go and they can't write that down, just click on over and you can find Laura. All right. And I know we did this a while ago, but it has been a long time since episode 79. So I'm going to end again with my three rapid fire questions that I love to ask at the end of every interview. And so the first one is, what does
1: minimalism mean to you? Minimalism to me is all about just being intentional with what you bring into your life. And I know that's kind of exactly what you say, but it really speaks to me and I'm still working on it because I'm definitely not perfect at it, but I feel like as I grow in my journey with it, it's becoming easier and easier.
0: Awesome. Well, and it's very, it fits right in with what you talk about with your food, being very intentional about what you bring into your body. It's very similar. So awesome. And number two, what is one of your favorite pieces of advice? It could just be about nutrition. It could be about life in general. It could be about habits. Something you'd like to share with
1: the audience. I'm going to go back to something I said earlier because I think it is so important and so undervalued, but that is getting outside more often. I mean, I just know that when I get outside for a walk, even if it's only five minute walk, just being in fresh air, being in nature, it just really helps to reset my mind and just helps me get off on a really good start to the day or even in the middle of the day. It just helps to kind of reset things. So just any time that you can pop outside for a few minutes, do it.
0: Oh, love that. And the last one, what is making you happy right now or in this season
1: of your life? Gosh, I w- there. I mean, there could be so many. I will say, just watching my kids thrive and watching my kids just decide who they're becoming. It's mm-hmm. as they get older. It's just I watch them grow. I watch them take things that maybe we've suggested to them in the past, but they were kind of unsure about, and and try and thrive at, and it's. Really fun to watch. My daughter's been cooking more. And I just love watching her just want to do it on her own. And my son has been exploring different activities through school. I really love watching him do that too.
0: Hmm. So fun. Yeah. It's so interesting as a parent, right? Watching your kids. Like it's like you're just watching your heart, your love. Everything is out there. And you're just like, oh, and you're just having those moments. Oh, so true. So true. Aw, thanks for sharing, Laura. Well, this has been wonderful. So much information, so much helpful information. And I think it's really good just to get back to some of those foundational basics that you were talking about. So awesome. Thanks for bringing this to the show today. Have a great day.
1: You're welcome. Have a good afternoon, Diana.
0: All right. Cheers. Wow. Well, as you can see, Laura is a fountain of information and I am so happy that she could join us on the show today to talk to us about nutrition and how to be more intentional with our food and lifestyle choices so that we can have more energy and just feel better as we go about our daily lives. But now it is your turn. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. What were your favorite parts? Did you have any big takeaways? Anything you want to implement after this episode? Come on over to Wannabe Minimalist, the family group on Facebook, and share. Sharing what you've learned helps you retain it, and thus it makes it easier to put into practice. And thanks again to Laura for joining us on the show today and for sharing so much. Remember, she has some awesome free resources available to you, so head on over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 140. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 140 to find out more about Laura. And as always, thank you for joining me too. If you made it this far, just a reminder that I would be thrilled if you left me a review on Apple Podcast. It only takes a couple minutes, and so I just want to say thank you for helping me out. And with that, I hope you have a fantastic day, and I will see you back here next week for another guest episode. I'll be chatting with Sarah Roller, a financial coach, about how money and stuff affects the transition to parenthood. We chat about aligning your spending with your values, ensuring that your money is helping you live the life you want, and building a strong foundation for your family. There are so many similarities when it comes to our money and our stuff, so make sure that you hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already so that you don't miss it. I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to Wannabe Minimalist. Cheers.
2: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence